0: Since I was a freshman in college, I've been inundated with personality tests. StrengthsFinder, Myers-Briggs, discs, even tests that tell you what color or animal you are. You name it, I've likely taken it. Now the ones I mentioned are all useful in different ways, maybe not the animal ones, but, but no personality assessment has stopped me dead in my tracks like the Enneagram did when I first read it. Actually, when I first looked at the Wisdom of the Enneagram book by Rizzo and Hudson, I thought it looked like a cultic symbol slapped on top of some super hippy dippy New Age nonsense. And then I read through the nine personality types. As I read the breakdown of my personality type, which is type one, it felt incredibly uncomfortable. It felt like someone had gathered the cheat codes to unlock knowing me intimately in just a few pages. Like the world had access to my life story and deepest insecurities. It was weird. It still is weird when other people I don't know discover that I'm a one and quickly flip through the description of my type to pick apart my entire being. But that's not what the Enneagram is for and it's certainly not cultic or new age like I first thought. The very first line of the wisdom of the Enneagram reads, quote, We are all driven by a deep inner restlessness. If that line doesn't resonate with you at all, I mean in any way, shape, or form, you should probably shut this podcast off now because none of this content will truly matter to you. And no judgment if that's how you feel. But if you've ever sat silently in a room with yourself and been surprised by the thoughts and feelings that arose from some deep, mysterious place, call it your subconscious or your soul, then this journey is for you. And as for that fairly universal restlessness, We believe it arises from the fact that we long to know things we often don't have the courage to explore. Feeling totally known and accepted is a terrifyingly beautiful experience. Ask anyone in an intimate, committed relationship. Now, this journey couldn't be more relevant than it is today because there is no shortage of labels by which you can define yourself. Your gender, sexual orientation, your race, ethnicity, political party, and of course, religion all ways you can stake your identity in something concrete. However, the Enneagram says none of these things are truly what matter. None of those labels truly determine the course of your life, which may seem shocking if that's how you've lived for most of your life. The crucial factor in determining your relationships, spiritual life, and overall ability to express yourself is your personality type, at least according to the Enneagram. Now if you're like me, much of your resistance to personality tests is because you feel like they put you in a box. And yes, many of them do. I have some beef with Myers-Briggs because it plays into a dualistic mindset that wants to see everyone as either this or that. You're either an introvert or an extrovert. There's no middle ground. But much of the beauty of the Enneagram comes from its extreme fluidity and nuanced complexity. The geometric figure itself represents this characteristic, as it's comprised of a circle, which represents oneness amongst all people in God, a triangle, which represents the law of three. Christians can take this to represent the Trinity, but it also represents the spectrum of black, white, and gray, the third way. Think about this as it relates to moral issues or gender. There is rarely a simple black and white, but usually a gray area. Lastly, the central figure is a hexad, which represents the law of seven, the process of development over time. The number seven has a wide array of meanings and symbolism to people throughout history, but we'll save that talk for another day. Overall, there are nine personality types, each with two possible wings and one core variant or instinct, as we'll call it. That's 54 major personality type variations, not to mention the varying degree of health that lead each type to either integrate the characteristics of another type or disintegrate into the worst characteristics of another type. Don't worry if that's an overwhelming amount of vague terminology because we'll break it all down in the next episode. Okay, a few ground rules and disclaimers before we dive into the meat of this Enneagram series. As tempting as it may be to diagnose others once you learn about the nine personality types, that's probably one of the most unhelpful things you could do. I know it's super exciting once you realize how clear it is that your partner, brother, mom, boss, arch nemesis is a fill in the blank Enneagram type. But the whole intent of the Enneagram is to cultivate self-awareness. The point is not to pick apart others' lives so you can fix them, judge them, or dismiss them. Trust me, I'm looking in the mirror when I say that. We all have a bit of every number within us, hence the circle being a central part of the Enneagram's design. This makes it really easy to mix-diagnose ourselves as we may see major characteristics of ourselves in multiple different numbers. This is totally normal, and if you're really on the fence about it, cruise on over to the EnneagramInstitute.com and click on the Misidentifications tab in the drop-down menu under Learn. There's a big difference between personality and essence. We'll get into this more in the next episode, but if you feel as though people with the same number as you act nothing like you, you may be right. Your essence is expressed through your personality based on a number of things you're both born with and experience as you grow up. Although we talk about a lot of Christian topics, as this is the back pew, after all, we will not be treating the Enneagram as a tool for preaching exclusively Christian beliefs. We believe the Enneagram is for everyone, and almost all the content we will reference in this series will be from two books written by the co-founders of the Enneagram Institute, Don Rizzo and Russ Hudson. Neither of them write about the Enneagram from a Christian perspective, although we will reference Richard Rohr, who does. One of the best books on the Enneagram that we will quote constantly throughout this series is called The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Rizzo and Hudson. It contains many of the practical ways to implement the Enneagram into personal growth, increased self-awareness, and healing. Lastly, it's human nature for negative thoughts and criticism to stick in our mind easier than positive thoughts and affirmations. So be warned, the Enneagram cuts to the core on a lot of sensitive issues, and shines a very uncomfortable light on some of our deepest wounds. This is why my first disclaimer was about not diagnosing others, because it's usually received as something like this. Oh, you're definitely a one because you're super judgy and angry all the time. If this happens to you, or you feel a tidal wave of criticism from your Enneagram type, just know that it is through our deepest wounds that we bring about the most healing, both for ourselves and for others. All right, that's your preface to the Enneagram. Feel free to skip around, go right to your number if you already know it, or go in order, which is my preference. Each episode will end with practical steps on what to do with what we've discussed. So make sure to listen to the very end. If you like what you've heard, please review us on iTunes. It makes a huge impact on the visibility of our show. And if you really like us, feel free to support us on Patreon with a pledge of just five bucks a month. Please, you don't have to go crazy. Uh, I know the second month that that Patreon bill comes in, you start rethinking how much you're donating. So just start small if you want to increase over time. Go nuts. We'll be at patreon.com slash pew to support us in the next season of podcasting. And uh, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's just a way to support the work of artists you love who make cool stuff for free, which this is a very free podcast with no ads. Okay, enough of the promotional mumbo-jumbo. Time to dive into the next episode, which is the history, structure, and purpose of the Enneagram with our special guest host, Danielle Bennett. Oh, and this may not make sense, but we're starting with Enneagram type 2, 3, and 4, because the Enneagram is grouped in triads, and they are the heart triad. So, in honor of Valentine's Day... It made sense to begin where many of the Enneagram personality types begin with the heart. Let's dive in.